Welcome to the Manager Tracks podcast episode 100. This is kind of a big deal. It's a big milestone for me. <laughs> Although when I started the podcast, I never thought about checking download numbers and so forth to see if I wanted to continue or not. I really started doing this podcast thinking that this is what I will do for the next five years, if not more. But still, here I am, 100 episodes later, every single week, every Tuesday, since April of 2020, I've released a podcast episode, and it's been a really fun process. So I'm excited to have a very special episode for you today, because I'm going to bring to you three former students in the Leadership Accelerator program who talk about their personal experience of what it was like to be a new manager, the challenges that they've experienced, the misconceptions that they initially had about what it means to be a leader, as well as what they really love about leading people and why every day they show up, they do their work, they invest in their growth as a leader and are committed to being the best leader that they can, not just for themselves and their career, but also for those around them and those that they impact and influence with their actions, their words and their attitude as well. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did and that you walk away with a better understanding of that journey from transitioning from an IC into your first management role. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team effectively and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders. I'm a leadership coach, a mom of three, a coffee lover, and a travel enthusiast. Stick around because in this show, you'll learn how to think, communicate, and act to become a confident, high-performing leader people love to work with. Let's go. I'm so excited to record this podcast episode today with a dear clients or former clients, Susan, Lisa, and Dave. They're all here today to share their experiences about their leadership journey, and I can't wait to hear all about it and share this conversation with you. To get us started, I'd love if each of you can introduce yourself a little bit. Susan, can you get us started? Of course. My name is Susan. I am a sales manager for a Medicare Advantage company in Ohio. I am coming up on my one year of the leadership role right now, and I actually approached Ramona in preparation for my role, and it's just been just a miracle and, and so, so helpful making this role work and, and being successful at it. Awesome. Thank you, Susan. Lisa, how about you? Yes. So my name is Lisa. This is my first year as well. I just completed my first year in the supervisor role. I've been with my company for 10 years and we're in the plumbing HVAC industry. Our company is growing. So Ramona actually provided us the opportunity and tools for all of our leadership, new first-time managers to take this course. Yes, that was just an exciting journey and sort of opportunity to be part of. Thank you, Lisa. Dave, over to you. Yeah, well, it sounds, honestly, I feel a little bit jealous of Susan and Lisa, who it sounds like got started working with Ramona closer to the beginning of their management journey. I was actually a manager of a team. I work at an e-commerce company, sells mostly clothing, and I was a manager several years ago, and I 
only started talking to Ramona towards the end of my time managing the team. And as it turned out, I wasn't really having the impact on the team that I wanted to, and I'm sure I wasn't having the impact on them that they wanted me to have. And in the first few months of my talking to Ramona, you know, it wasn't enough to write the ship. And I ended up stopping managing the team, which was good for them. And it was good for me. And I continued working with Ramona so that I would be better prepared the next time I was leading a group of people. And I did the Leadership Accelerator course. I've been talking to her for the last three years. And I've now been leading various work streams at the company. Have not been in a people manager role again, but have been leading various work streams. And the lessons from working with Ramona have been super helpful. Thank you for sharing that. And I think your situation, Dave, also with the up and down and then transitioning into a different kind of leadership role is something that's very common. In fact, you probably have heard me say this before. There are a range of different studies out there in terms of how successful new managers are in their first couple of years. And the results range from 40 to 60% of new managers who actually fail or underperform in their first couple of years which it's pretty hard or a shocking truth because what it tells us clearly is throwing someone into a leadership role or you know, giving them the promotion and then assigning these new responsibilities is a bit like putting someone on skis and then dropping them off at the top of the mountain and say like, you know, good luck, I'll see you at the bottom. And a lot of people struggle through this process and, and encounter challenges. And I think what I appreciate about all of you and Dave in particular, right, you took this really as an opportunity to say, wow, this was a rough ride and there is so much that I can learn from this situation that I have learned from this situation. I think you having gone through this actually made you better and increase or accelerate your growth over that time period and thereafter, which is where your career has led you to today. And for all of you, I'm so excited that you're here because all three of you have been amazing students in the Leadership Accelerator program, showing up diligently, doing the work, being really open-minded to try new things and to experiment with concepts and ideas and preparing yourself for the tough situations and the tough moments and doing the work. And I always say the more that you put into this and the more that you invest in your own growth the more that you get out of it on the other side. So this has been really fascinating to see on the sideline from my perspective. But speaking about some of these challenging moments we just talked about, what are some of the challenges that actually surprised you most about transitioning from an IC and individual contributor role into the leadership role? Things that you might not have anticipated being so hard. For me, one of the most shocking things was that they really do not train you to be a manager. They just you're really good at your job as an individual contributor. And so they just assume that you're going to manage just as well. And, and that was shocking to me. I mean, like you said, you you don't drop somebody off at the top of the mountain and expect them to ski down without killing themselves, you know, and yet we're expected to just magically able to manage other people. And, And that to me was just, as I was researching it, I was like, what do you mean? There's no, learning course. What do you mean? There's no, you know, management track, you know, how is that possible? So that was shocking to me. Mm-hmm. Along those lines, Susan, I'm trying to make this work with the, the ski analogy and I'm not sure I can, but it's like, it's as though you're really good at swimming or something. And that's why they decided to take you to the top of the mountain and put you on skis, except it's even worse than that. Because what I found is some of the things that make you really good as an individual contributor actually can get in the way of being a manager effectively, where like really, you know, your job as a manager, as a leader is to elevate the people on your team and allow them to do great work. And 
if you kind of are taking a, like, you know a lot of things about how to do the job because you've just been doing it yourself as an IC. And if you take that mindset, you can be constantly undermining the team's sense of your trust in them and undercutting their ability to grow. So it's actually like the things that made you good at your last job can actually be things that make you bad at your new job. Yeah, I think that is huge. Yeah, such a great point. And I may have heard Ramona say that before I even took the course because I had actually stuck in my head because I remembered thinking I could probably get to the bottom of the hill but I might break my leg and my arm might be in a cast and I might, you know, be limping terribly, you know, if I make it to the bottom of the hill and kill myself on the way down the hill. I want to make it down the hill in one piece. But I think also kind of what Susan and Dave were saying is that like when you're give, you're a great individual contributor, but once you're in the management role, you kind of go into that management role with your expectations of the job. But that doesn't mean that the people that are, you're bringing in or that you're hiring are going to perform at that same level. So kind of just, you know, making sure going in open-minded that your people are going to have their strengths in certain roles and they're probably not going to get the job done. They may even outperform you, but at the end of the day, it's kind of seeing how you can kind of make a successful team depending on the strengths that each person contributes. Yes. Susan, you said something about you get to getting to the bottom of the hill and you might break an arm or a limb, but there's something else to it that I think you, Dave, alluded to when you're actually doing this, not only will you get hurt, but you're also hurting people. Like you're bumping into people. (laughs) It's like the new skier on the slope. You kind of make a big loop around them, right? Because you don't want them to run into you. And I think that analogy here is the same when it comes to leadership, because not only can we get hurt and our reputation can, can suffer along the way, but we may really also disempower, disencourage, demotivate, or erode confidence in the people that we lead. Any other challenges that were a bit unexpected? I think one thing that I kind of suffered with going into management role is I like people to like me. And I think going into a management role, you're going to have situations where, you know, there's conflict. That doesn't mean it's always a bad thing, but where you may be in an uncomfortable situation and how to handle those uncomfortable situations. And before I would try to avoid it or try to side with them, you know, just because I want them to be happy. But I think by taking the leadership accelerator course, it kind of let me know that I am the supervisor. You know, I can make the decision. You know, I can have people's input. But at the end results, whatever I feel is best for my team or for the project, that's the route that I have the decision or authority to make. So that kind of was one of the challenges going in is just making decisions, but also not making people not like me or like me. So, yeah. On the flip side of that, it was rough for me because I guess I didn't have the self-confidence that I needed because, you know, you get promoted to manager and all of a sudden everybody thinks that you have all of the answers. And I wasn't sure of the answers yet. And I wasn't sure that I, you know, was ready to tell them what I thought the answers were yet. So, I mean, for me, it was hard to have the confidence to actually lead and to not doubt myself and second guess everything that I wanted to say. I think one of the challenging things for me was I had a sense that along the lines of what Susan was saying, that I needed to be the the expert on things. And th- that played out as challenging in a few ways, but ultimately I didn't have the confidence at the time to really celebrate and be happy about ways that people on the team knew more than I did and could do things better than I could, because it felt like if that was happening, it meant that I wasn't as good as I should have been because I I still had the mindset of 
I need to be the technical expert on this stuff. And I mean, that it, it had a lot of adverse consequences in terms of, you know, how things played out with the team. And in, in retrospect, you know, I mean, this is just kind of reiterating what I said earlier, like, this is why I really wish that I had, um, like, learning about what it means to lead effectively mm-hmm. before I jumped into that role and started, like, trying to learn on the job. Because, like, for the first, I don't know, year, I didn't realize how, like, the various ways that I was not doing what I would have wanted to do. Ramona talked about the four stages of learning of like unconscious incompetent, conscious incompetent, conscious competent, and unconscious competent. Mm-hmm. And like I spent a long time in that unconscious incompetent phase where like it, using your ski metaphor, it's as though you're bumping into people on the ski slope and not even realizing that you're bumping yeah. into people. <laughs> that is a, yeah, a really good point. And actually it's surprising. I see that quite often. And you know, getting feedback from people or performance reviews or 360 degree assessments where other people provide honest and anonymous feedback, those sometimes can be really eye-opening where people say like, oh my gosh, and I did this all the time and I had no idea that that's what I was doing or that's the impact my actions had because we base or judge ourselves based on our intentions and everyone else is judging us on the impact that our actions have on them, two different things. Yeah, it's a great point. So speaking about what you wished you had known on day one, what are some other things that you wished you had known about leading day one of your leadership journey? I guess just to sort of double down on what I, what I wish I had known fundamentally was that it's much harder than I thought it was going to be. Like I thought from various experiences in my past, you know, I had like taught class. I previously used to be in in academia. I I taught classes at the college level. That felt kind of like being a manager of a classroom. I led research projects. It kind of felt like being manager of a research group. And I just felt like that stuff was going to translate because I thought I had been pretty effective. I always got good reviews from my students and like the research groups went pretty effectively. And it just turned out to not translate the way that I thought it was going to. And, you know, leading a group of professionals, not, you know, students in a classroom, but a group of professionals was just different and like way harder. And and so like, if I had realized how much harder it was going to be, I might've gone in with more like humility, spent less time in the unconscious incompetent phase and, you know, been able to like actually start working on getting better at it faster. I think I'm in a little bit in a different position than Dane because my company did a really good job of transitioning me into this role. They, you know, being with a growing company, we were able to hire people. I may not have had the supervisor title or direct reports, but I was leading in that manner. So, you know, going from just a regular, you know, entry-level position to a senior, to a lead, then to a supervisor. So we, we slowly transitioned to prepare me for this role. But one thing that I wish I intern- like I had internally and I was able to kind of get that taking the leadership accelerated course was the confidence that I'm in this role managing professionals that may have their higher education or they may have more work experience. But just going in and knowing that, okay, I need to make sure that I'm confident in this role because my, my upper management they see that I'm capable of managing a team. You know, they see that I earned this. Like, so I need to kind of talk to myself. Like, I I do belong in this role, and I'm going to prove it to my, you know, mm-hmm. company or my colleagues that I'm capable of being in this position. So that's something that's, that I that's wish. A great point. Yeah. Yeah, being able to embrace it and saying I earned this. You know, yeah. I deserve this. That that's big. 
it, it, that took me a while, even though I, like I said before, I took the class in preparation because I thought I was earning it. I thought I was good enough, but I was still unsure enough that I still wanted to make sure that I was doing everything I could to move me onto that track. So we've alluded to this a little bit, but I'd love to dive deeper into some of the misconceptions that people have about leading and what it actually means to lead a team and to be a good or even a great manager, even starting out or or out of the gate. What are some of the things that you would say that you now in retrospect can see, ah, this is what I thought leadership would be, or that's what I thought it would mean to be a manager, but now I have a different perspective on it. You know, just having the answers. Whenever someone would come up to me, I'd always give, you know, where's this report or where's that or how do I do this? I would be so quick to give the answer so they can just move on to the next project. I'm in marketing, so it's like a very fast paced environment, but that's not an excuse for them to kind of come to me to make sure that I give them the answers. So one thing I learned from the leadership accelerator course was to kind of ask the question back. Where did you look for the answer? Um, Use the resources around them. So I think that's kind of a misconception is that just the moment you're a supervisor or manager, you have all the answers and you may have the answers, but that doesn't mean you need to give it to them, you know, or you may not have the answers and they can help you. Yeah. That's part of my misconception at least. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's a huge one, a really big one. And it also speaks back to what Susan, but you were sharing about confidence because sometimes people think, well, now I need to have the answers to everything. And, and if I don't, then I either start doubting myself or I start to just not feel comfortable as a manager because I feel like I don't know what I'm talking about and not enjoying the role. When you actually, for one, right, you said, Lisa, we don't have to have the answers in the first place. And if even if we do have the answers, giving the answers is not your number one job. Yeah. Yeah. I was also very taken aback to realize that not everyone is going to work the way I work. Not everybody is going to put in the amount of effort that I expect them to, because it's what I would expect of myself. It was very interesting for me to find out that some people will do half the job or even three quarters of the job and consider that good enough, because I would never, ever do that. So that was something that I was very surprised about was that, you know, just because they seem like they're a a pretty good worker or they seem like they're okay when you meet them or when you interview them, that does not necessarily mean that they are going to right off the bat work at the level that, that you expect. Sometimes you have to bring them along and sometimes you have to coach them. And, and sometimes you may even have to, you know, not be nice or not always be enthusiastic and happy. You know, sometimes you have to have those hard conversations and be like, you know, is that really the best that you could do? Do you really, you know, is that really your best effort? Because, you know, sometimes it wasn't. And that was surprising to me because I always put in a hundred percent always, and not everybody does. I personally can so relate to this as well, because I remember that when I first started leading a team, I naturally, and you know, looking back, I can't quite figure out what I was thinking. But in the moment, I definitely had this expectation that people would want to be led the way that I want to be led. And people go about work the way that I go about work. And so naturally me doing what I like, and how I would want my manager to act is the way to go. And what I realized over my leadership journey was actually, in order to be a good 
or a great manager, it, it is not about you leading the way you want to be led and making all these assumptions, but it's very much about being very curious about where people are coming from, what people's pr preferences are. And then it's your job as a manager to flex your style and meet them where they're at with all the different tools and skills that you develop over time. And I also had to learn really fast that that doesn't mean that you're not genuine. That doesn't mean that you're not being yourself and bringing yourself to the job. That just means that you are emotionally intelligent enough that you realize mm -hmm. that you can handle different people in different ways, but still handle them the way that you want to handle them. Yeah. I was just going to mention something that I started doing in the last year or so that I, I wish I had done years ago is when I start working with someone, I have a get to know you conversation or like get to know working with you conversation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's with someone who I've actually known for a while, but like I haven't worked closely with them. And so I still have that get to know you conversation to find out like what's motivational to them? What are their goals? How collaborative do they like to be in their work? Do they like to kind of figure things out on their own and then come back to the group? Or do they like to like work on things with other people? How do they like to receive feedback, like in structured ways in in writing or in conversation in the moment or, you know, in our one-on-ones? Like, do they like to receive recognition publicly or, or privately? And so on, like all these things about like, just, you know, we're going to be working together. <laughs> what feels good to you? Because like, I can try to be pretty flexible. I mean, it's always going to come with a flavor of me, but like, I can try to be pretty flexible, but I need to know what, what the preferences are because otherwise I'm definitely going to, exactly as you're saying, I'm definitely going to assume that other people want exactly the things that I would want, which is definitely not the case. Yeah, we learned that the easy or the hard way. I was definitely more on the latter. For sure. Any other misconceptions or any challenges or wished I had known? One other challenge I think is also realizing that not everybody has to like each other, right? I mean, going into this role, I really kind of, felt like people should get along. We work together. We see each other every day. You know, why can't you like that person? And, you know, I always would try to make sure that everybody get along. But I think one of the challenges for myself was realizing that they don't have to like each other. They just need to work well with each other. They don't need to braid each other's hair and ask each other to go to lunch. Like just <laughs> get along, you know, get the work, work professionally. You know, at the end of the day, this is work and we got to keep it professional. So I think that was a challenge for me is just making sure that the different personality types and just understand that that's just the way the world is. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which is actually what comes up for me as you're saying this is there's for some people, and I know that is you, Lisa, you really care about a collaborative environment and for people to feel good and, and you really care about the environment, the support, the nurturing on the team. And that is going back to what Dave said earlier about it being a huge strength and then as a lead that this can actually hold you back in your effectiveness because being inclusive and very collaborative makes you a great team player and people will come to you and follow you naturally because of that. But then in a leadership role, at some point, this will compromise your effectiveness because you're always trying to make sure you know, everyone's happy and everyone's yeah. good and they all like each other when you really can't control that. And then you might not do things and not make decisions because you worry that it will have a negative impact on them. But those decisions would be so important. And actually, it is your job as a leader to make these kind of decisions. Exactly. Yeah. One challenge that I've found is, you know, one, one of my one of my values is that my job is to make my colleagues shine just do what I can to help them be as successful as they can be towards whatever their goals are. And that 
has sometimes made it a little hard to reconcile with another thing that I think is important, but sometimes hard for me to do, which is let people make their own mistakes. Because mm. if yeah. I see someone going on a track where like, it looks to me like you're not going to be successful, I feel a temptation to jump in and try and redirect. But then they experience that as like lack of trust, which like, to be honest, it kind of is. And it comes across as micromanaging and so on. And like, don't think that you should, as a leader, never jump in to redirect. Like ultimately, you know, if you're the accountable one, you have to make sure that the trains go in the direction that it's supposed to go. Mm -hmm. But you have to be really judicious with when you do that. Because if you fundamentally believe that you have strong people on the team, strong people doesn't mean that they never make a mistake. And I think they, they have to have that freedom to explore, make some of their own mistakes, go through some of that learning process themselves. Because I think about what was like fun and productive for me in my development. It was not the times that my manager stepped in and said like, no, you're doing that wrong do it this other way. It was having the freedom to explore and like not all of those, those explorations worked out the right way, but like through going through that, that led to the learning process that brought me to where I am. And so I need to have like the right ability to like let people do that for themselves when appropriate, but still, you know, occasionally nudge in the right direction when that's actually important. I love that you're bringing this up because it's, I think it's, it plays into all the questions that we've talked about in terms of challenges, misconceptions, what we wish we had known on day one. That is such an important aspect to pay attention to. And you might have heard me use the terms superhero versus Yoda right before. Um, and I write this in my upcoming book that will get published in April. I write about this idea that when we jump in, we're really being the superhero. But every time the superhero jumps in to rescue a situation, there's also a victim, right? The victim is the one that then feels disempowered. Well, my boss just came in and rescued the situation and clearly I was not competent enough or trusted enough to figure it out myself, even if I had struggled along the way versus Yoda was a lot more in the background trying to guide things and being very mindful of when do I need to step in and when can I sort of just mitigate the big risks on the side, but let them go through that growth journey and making mistakes is a huge part, part of growing and growing fast. For sure. I like that a lot. As a parent, none of us want to see our kids fall down and skin their knee, but it's, it's a natural part of growing up and becoming, you know, their own people. So why is it so hard for us to let that happen at work? Yeah. Although it's hard as parents too, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. But somehow it's more accepted because we think that it's normal for kids to do that. But in, in the work environment, we may think, oh, if this goes wrong, it's going to reflect bad on me. And then we step in and we overdo it or course correct too much in order to prevent us feeling or suffering at the end of it. Shifting gear a little bit, because these were all the hard things, but we also want to obviously not make it sound like leadership is just hard and challenging <laughs> and a lot of misconceptions, but it comes with such a huge reward. And I'd love to talk a little bit about what you find most rewarding being a leader in different capacities in your organizations. I find it rewarding seeing my own team members reach their own accomplishments. I feel like maybe I played a role in it or even hiring somebody and teaching them and training them and leading them and seeing them, you know, on day one, just starting off on the role. And then a few months later, they're, you know, mastering all these Excel reports that they didn't even know a little bit or how to do a formula or even how to filter and just seeing them grow. I feel like I've played a part in their success. I find that very rewarding to just teach and bring new people into our team and having them contribute to the success of our company as well. 
Definitely. I love coaching and, and helping to develop people. I love trying to help other people reach their potential. I mean, to me, that is just a huge part of what we do. And, and it is the most pleasurable part of the job, in my opinion, is just when you see potential in somebody and you do what you can to help them see the potential in themselves and then do what you can to help them develop it. It doesn't even necessarily have to be one of your direct reports. It's just anybody that, that you can, you know, have a hand in their success. I mean, that to me is just the best thing in the world. Yeah. You're not just their manager. They may look up to you as a mentor. You know, they may call you 10 years from now, even if they're not within your team, but they remember those moments of who kind of taught them or helped them grow in their career. Mm -hmm. I want to be the person they remember. <laughs> yeah. It's so, so good to hear exactly. both of you saying that. I remember the, uh, the first time that someone back when I was managing the team, the first time that someone transferred off of my team to go to another team, I found it crushing. And, you know, looking back, I, I really regret the mindset that I was bringing to that because I was thinking about the impact on me. I was thinking about like how it reflected on me. I was thinking about the impact it was going to have on like our ability to get stuff done in the future. And I wasn't looking at it from the lens of like, what's best for them? Like they've been doing this thing for a while. They want some other opportunities. Maybe also like they're not real happy with their manager and they want to manage it. They'll be happier with like, whatever it is, something was not working well for them in their current role. And they were switching to a role that they were more excited about. And, you know, in, at this point, I'm, I'm really trying to take a focus first on the individual. And, you know, I've, I've had conversations with people again, nobody's reporting to me right now, but I've had conversations with people where they, you know, they talk about their career development and, you know, that they want some things that they're not getting in their current role. And I, you know, I just talk to them about like all their options, you know, we can try to change their role so that it is more satisfying. We can think about if there are other roles at the company or, you know, there are other companies and those might be better for them too. Like just whatever is best for the person. And I, I guess in terms of the question about like, what is rewarding? I love the feeling of having a group to come together and accomplish things that no person on the group alone could have accomplished. And mm -hmm. oftentimes things that like, if you took any one person on the group and you made like five or 10 copies of them, they could not have accomplished it. But because we had the right mix of people that complemented each other, different perspectives and so on, we accomplished something that was more than any of the individual parts. I, I think there's just a, an amazing sense that, you know, when you can, Step, lay the groundwork for something like that to happen. I find that often correlates really well with people feeling like they're getting what they want out of the role. Um, obviously, it tends to correlate with the company getting what it wants out of the out of the experience. And just for myself, like the sense of camaraderie and collaboration, and creativity is amazing and so rewarding. Mm -hmm. I love that. We lost a few people on the team, and I took it so 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 very hard. Like I really took it personally, and we lost like three people in the span of two months. And I just I was doubting myself and I was doubting the company. And I, but you know what? I, I love what, what you just said, because maybe it wasn't right for them. Maybe it wasn't right for what they wanted to do. I mean, you know, maybe it had something to do with me. Maybe it didn't. Maybe it had absolutely nothing to do with me or the company or, or anything else. Maybe it was their personal life. But when you get that right mix and you get that perfect formula, I, I love what you just said about how, you know, even if they had 10 of me on the team, it's still better to have the team with all of the different personalities and, and work styles and so on. I, I love what you just said so much. 
Yeah. And I want to add one more perspective to this, which obviously see sort of as the outside as the coach, which is that when you're going through a leadership journey and you're taking on that challenge and you accept the promotion and you really lean into this new role and this responsibility that you hold as a manager and as a leader to others, this is not easy. And I think every time we go through this and we deal with the challenges and we sit through the discomfort and the awkwardness or the difficult meetings and the tough feedback you have to, to give, the growth that you experience through this process is so tremendous. And I think for me on, you know, seeing you all going through this journey and then noticing how your confidence and your insights and your awareness and your competence overall is shifting because you've taken on this responsibility and you stayed with it and you really embraced it. To me, this is huge. And I think, isn't this what life is about? It's about growing and evolving and the growth and involvement that happens by stepping into a leadership role professionally expands not just into you know the different aspects of your careers or our careers, but also into our personal lives and in the way that we develop and become the next version of ourselves, which I think is so exciting to see. Oh, definitely. I've seen so many changes, you know, obviously professionally in the last year, but even personally in the last year. I mean, once you actually like embrace your own power and embrace the energy that you have as a person, not just at work, but as a person in this life, that everything changes when you really step into to who you are. It's just mm-hmm. unreal. Yeah. And so right picking up on that or leaning into that, when you think about the Leadership Accelerator program that all of you have completed, what are one or two things that you took out of the program that changed the way that you see leadership or changed the way that you lead today? I'd be really curious to hear what some of those are for you. I think taking this course really just built my confidence not to just lead with emotion, Mm -hmm. but don't let my thoughts get in the way of what I lead. Use the facts. Yeah. Manage your mind before you manage people. Totally. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think that's one of the biggest thing is for me, because I do tend to, even my personal life, a lot of like emotion and I'm very an empathetic, you know, I care about people's feelings. So I think just this course really helped me be confident. Don't lead with emotion all the time and just use the facts. Don't create all these thoughts in your head that maybe are not even true and go with it. For me, it was interesting to find out some of the things that I did to get through everyday life that kind of embarrassed me. Like if I was going to have an important phone call with somebody, I would write down things that I wanted to talk about. And I thought that was weird. And I found out it wasn't weird. It's actually good. It's it's a good thing to do. And I would rehearse with myself in the mirror. This is how I'm going to say this, or that's how I'm going to say that. And that embarrassed me because I was like, man, I must be the only weirdo that does this stuff. And then here I come to take the course and find out that that's good, that that's, you know, being prepared. And, and that's actually something that's good to do. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. I do that too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Nothing, nothing to be embarrassed about. It, it, it has so much as it being, being prepared, especially as you embrace that responsibility, because you have such a big impact on other people, whatever you do and whatever you say and how you show up emotionally has a huge ripple effect on everyone else, way more than you had as an IC. Well, one of the things that comes to mind often for me is, is Susan, you mentioned that you sometimes imagine like the little Ramona sitting on your shoulder guiding you. Be effective, not right, is something that Ramona has said a bunch of times. And that's, I've actually written that down as like one of my like vision and value statements. 
which I try to read those every morning and just kind of get in the right mindset for the day. And I certainly wouldn't say that like I, I always live up to it or any of my other <laughs> vision and value statements, but it's such an important mindset because like it's so easy to, you know, feel a little competition, a little tension and, and darn it, I'm right. And like, that is just not productive. And like, anyway, so that, that's one thing that, that comes to mind. Another is, I guess, sort of more a general thing was Ramona encouraged us to have like principles by which we approach situations. So like without necessarily being prescriptive about what the principles are, but just like, think about how you want to approach a situation. Like you're meeting a new coworker. How do you want to do that? And like, you know, I, I talked about one of the ways that I try to be intentional about that or whatever the case is, like it kind of that, that sort of a, a meta instruction is like, or, or principle is like, regardless of what the particular principles are, like try to be intentional about how you approach mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. That is huge and applies to, or affects so many different areas um, of your leadership. Anything else that you want to share before we wrap up? I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being out there to find on, I can't even remember where I found you. Was it Audible or Spotify? I'm not sure, but thank <laughs> you for being out there. When I was looking for that voice of reason, thank you for having the course. Thank you for always being so encouraging and, and just so awesome. I, I just want to thank you. And thank you for involving me in this conversation. It just makes me so happy. Aw, you're going to make me cry. I really enjoyed hearing Lisa and Susan's stories about their journey through leadership. So thanks for facilitating this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for all of you for for being part of this discussion and for doing the work and showing up and being open and being vulnerable here in, in this discussion as well. Because I know... That's not an easy thing to do, but it speaks to your leadership and your you really standing in for that and standing up for that. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Susan, so much for all that you do and the way that you show up and the way that you do life and participate in this conversation specifically today. I appreciate you all so much. Well, that was it. This was the conversation I had with Lisa, Susan, and David. All of them are clearly showing up as role models, as vulnerable, compassionate, caring, yet ambitious and driven leaders in their respective fields. I hope you found this conversation inspiring and interesting, as well as maybe a little bit validating. Because one of the things that I know a lot of my clients in the Leadership Accelerator program get out of it is that interaction with other peers and noticing, oh, the challenges and the struggles that I have and the questions that I have. That's not just me. Everyone is on that same learning curve. Everyone is struggling with very similar things. Everyone has, regardless of the profession, the industry, the company size, as a new manager, we're all going through very similar growth journeys and obstacles, and we have very similar questions and concerns. And so hearing other peers talk about and share their journey of how they transition into leadership puts your situation in perspective. I hope it makes you feel confident as well as excited about this new opportunity. And if you are interested in learning more about the Leadership Accelerator program, then head on over to RamonaShaw.com forward slash leadership dash accelerator to get all the details. That way you can also schedule a call with me for us to talk and see if this program is actually the right fit for you. If you're in an organization, a manager of managers or in HR and curious how to bring this program to your company, head on over to RamonaShaw.com forward slash apply to schedule a call with me directly and we can talk about 
all these details. All the links will be in the show notes below. Thank you so much for listening and a huge thanks to Lisa, Susan and Dave for being part of this podcast episode today. This was episode number 100 and off to many, many more. I'll talk to you next week. If you love this show, then you'll love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.